into First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. I'm Spencer. Hello. So, hey, this time we are facing shows that came out in 2018. On Alex's side, she insisted, and by Alex, I mean me, I guess. This is weird. I insisted that Spencer watch The Mick, and Spencer forced me to watch AP Bio. Forced you. Boy, it was rough. It was rough. I have feelings about AP Bio. But, uh, you know, last time I started, I think this time you should start. Should I? I think so. I I really liked you fucking pathfinding the way. Are you sure? Well, I've done that already. It's your turn to pathfind. I figure if we alternate, then we can both be fucking awkward all we want. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay. So, you said shows that came out in 2018. Now... I think, I think the Mick came out at the ass end of 2017. Oh, okay. So it's, you know what? It's good enough because it was releasing in 2018. I feel like we're good. Well, I I appreciate you letting us play semantics with it because I just, I felt like the equivalent for AP Bio, which I'm sure we'll get into. No, I think there's a stronger theme than 2018. Should we just call it what it is? I don't know. This is the Always Sunny episode. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I don't know. It's like, the, it's always Sunny's shitty stepchild episode. Because I know we're going to have an It's Always Sunny episode. Don't we have one planned? I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, we totally do. Okay. So yeah, the Mick stars fucking D. Reynolds, also known as Caitlin Olsen to some people, I guess. Not anymore. Guess what? It was created and produced by the same people who made Always Sunny. Get out. What do you know? Like... I was looking at info for this, like, nitty-gritty logistical stuff, and it's literally just, like, we copy and pasted Always Sunny with less cast members, and then just made a show around D. Which is the show we deserve. You know what? So I'll get into that, but I'll I'll, I'll explain the show first, because I'm sure plenty of people who were like me did not see this and didn't want to see this, and I'll, I'll try to change your minds. So, The Mick. I'm looking at the IMDb. The first more like this is AP Bio. <laughs> I told you, like, God, uh, we will get into it. I just, when you said, when you suggested AP Bio to me, I'm like, okay, you're watching the fucking Mick. Like, that's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Those two go hand in hand. Okay, okay. So, The Mick stars a woman named Mackenzie Murphy, and she is just, and this is something that grew on me over time, the most nor'eastern lady you could ever fucking write. I know she acts so fucking obtuse. She reminds me of two of my closest friends, three girls I went to school with, and my aunt. Just speech pattern, behavior, the way they act in stores. Just, I don't know how well it will translate to anybody outside of New England. 
but holy shit, did I go from like, oh, this is just, whatever, this show's just gonna be someone being crass and the jokes are just gonna be out there for the sake of being out there and nothing's gonna land. No, it is just the story of like the average I'm trying to put it to words without offending anyone, because it, it's not offense. Like, I really enjoy it, but, like, she's a real person, and that that's what hits home for me, is that it's... Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. We're gonna have to edit this. I'm gonna... It's okay. We got, we got John for that now. Oh, yeah, Thanks, we John. have a guy. We have a guy. We got, we, got a, we got a guy, man. Mr. Snip Snip. It's gonna be great. Oh, yeah, he's gonna love it that we call him Mr. Snip Snip. <laughs> so, Mackenzie is just typical loud uncouth pissed off just doesn't care about anything nor'eastern woman it is fantastic so she goes from her crummy life with her crummy boyfriend to she's gonna go visit her sister for a loan she needs some scheme to be bankrolled and uh her sister lives in greenwich connecticut which is right near me and let me tell you that place is a shithole i don't care what hollywood thinks that place is it is a goddamn shithole but that's you know what? That's for another, another podcast. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so close to you. I should have, but I didn't. Oh, it's it's like right around the corner. That's awesome. Field trip. There's like two neighborhoods of nice houses and the rest of it's a fucking overpriced shithole. Like the plate falling into disrepair. <laughs> the roads suck. Terrible. It's terrible. Don't let the Hollywood fool you. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Wake up. Get fucking red-pilled. But where was I? Oh, so yeah, she's, she's in Connecticut. She's from Rhode Island, which makes sense. And... She goes to visit her sister at this big fancy white people party. And as is part of the life cycle of rich white people, the FBI shows up to steal everything that they own. So her sister and her rich ass husband end up having to, to flee the nation and, and go on some thing, some thing to Zimbabwe or whatever. And they leave poor Mick, poor Mick with all of the shitty children and the pretty cool maid housekeeper role. Whatever that job is. Not doing a good job of this. You're doing great. Keep it up. Feel like I'm selling the show as as much as it wants to be presented. <laughs> so yeah, there's three shitty rich white children that you know from every other time you've seen them on TV. If you've seen Shit's Creek or Arrested Development, you know all the characters in this show. <laughs> now, that's the thing. There's not a lot of plot to it. It is crazy aunt comes to shake things up for spoiled kids and it's not a lot to go on the characters outside of mick in my opinion are kind of bland and just cookie cutter but it serves the plot because it brings more attention to mick and caitlin olsen i think i don't give her enough credit in always sunny because she's like they're all competing against each other as super talented, funny people. Mm -hmm. When she is given her own spotlight, it's something they joke about in Always Sunny. But I feel like her command of physical comedy is really, really fucking solid. Like, it's not just her delivery of lines. It's the way that she sits in chairs, the way that she, like, moves her hands and, like, cants her head, like... Her fucking stare, like, she is so good, so, so good, uh, just, like, expressive, and I think her body language is on point. She is so fucking believable, as just, uh, I don't give a fuck anymore at the age of 23, nor'eastern woman. I keep coming back to this point, but it's what sells the show for me, is that I know her. I routinely deal with her. 
like every <laughs> single day. And, you know, you expect the show to be like, oh, she's going to teach the kids some things and they're going to teach her some things. And she's not as bad as, as life made her out to be. These are not lessons that you seem to learn. Now, I have a confession to make. Ooh. Episode two, I've already violated the rules. <gasps> Come on, stop yourself. <laughs> I really, really liked the pilot. <laughs> I watched the entire show in a day. Oh no! That's not just episode two, you watched the entire show? It was really good. <laughs> oh man, okay, well that opens up a whole floor of discussion then, because now we don't have a prediction. We don't have a prediction, but what I wanted to say, this show, I could not restrain myself. If that, like, sells anyone on it. It's, it's your basic sitcom, it's, it's monster of the week you know everything's new everything's different characters don't really develop there's some carryover but some things kind of you know it's episodic mm -hmm. but even with that it just i was able to take it in the same way that i take in the office where it all strings together so well and it just you're enjoying it so much the whole time that you don't want to stop you like there's no cool down it's back to back like i wouldn't say there were any moments where i was in stitches but it's a show where you're smiling the entire time like one of those things where like there's never a dull moment i would say the weakest link is everyone outside of mick but i think over time as the episodes progress it's not that they're developing it's that i think the writers had more of a command I think if you're judging just by the pilot, they don't do anything with them. It's it's a pilot. Pilots are shitty. They're establishing <laughs> plot. But even this, like, really solid. And they, they take more time to flesh it out as they go. And it's one season. I think it's coming back. Nope. No? So fun fact, uh, it got canceled. It got canceled the same time that Brooklyn Nine-Nine got canceled. It was a part of that chopping block. I thought it got brought back in that shopping block. I thought that whole thing just went away. No, I think Brooklyn... So Brooklyn got picked up by a different uh, network, yep. right? Uh, and as far as I know, when I looked it up, I didn't see anything about uh, season three for the Mick. It is... Do a quick Google search. Let's find out. It is a cruel goddamn world that a show like the Mick gets fucking trashed before I even get to enjoy it. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine still gets another dozen goddamn fucking seasons. I thought I didn't come around. <laughs> I came around enough where I watched the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I was like rocking my head, wanting it to stop. But I kept watching more episodes. When it's bad enough, you've committed. Fine. Don't like my silly cop show. No, it is. It, that's that's another, not what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's, another, it's really hard to just stay on the mick. My problem is... It is so straightforward. Every episode is basically the same thing. Nothing really changes, but the whole time it's enjoyable. So it doesn't lend itself to big discussion when you're not comparing it to something else. But as its own thing, like when I first saw it coming out, I wasn't going to give it a chance. And I'm really, really glad that I did for the sake of this episode. Because oof, oof, did it resonate on a really personal level. I am so glad that you liked it and that you liked it on that personal level. Uh, again, I am not from the East or Northeast, as you just said it. I I'm a recent transplant-ish, I guess. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm just like, haha, shitty people being shitty. 
and that's very on brand for my humor. And I I think throughout both seasons, the only character I ended up not liking was Chip. Like no matter how they spun him, it's just he was the same shitty teenage boy with too much money. And I never came to like him. They never gave him anything really redeemable in my books. But the youngest yeah. one reminds me so much of Dewey from mm-hmm. Malcolm in the Middle. But maybe not as smart as Dewey. But I felt like there was a lot of similarities there, which we will talk about Malcolm in the Middle. I promise you. And I also really like Sabrina because I thought they did a really good job making a shitty fucking teenager. It wasn't painful dialogue, in my opinion. Usually when you get like the stuck up teenagers, it's just really ow dialogue where it hurts to listen to. Yeah. I thought it felt very natural. Like it was easy for me, for everyone in the show to really believe like they weren't characters like this. We were actually taking a peek into their life of this insane fucking world that they kind of threw themselves into. I like the weirdly wholesomeness. Again, there's never really a the aunt learns a lesson. The kids learn a lesson. No, it's just that they both have shitty things that they kind of teach each other, but they also are supporting one another. And I think that's really good. I think it really hones in on the fact that life is kind of shitty for everyone. Mm -hmm. And through that, they're able to kind of, you know, they're a family and they're able to, to sort of bond in that way. I will agree with you. Chip, his career is fucking over. <laughs> um, a friend brought up a good point when I was talking about it. The kid who played Joffrey, done. His career's gone because he played a fucking prick. And that matters so much in how casting works, where the characters you play create a brand. And when you take these kids and put them in shitty fucking roles like this, they're done. Like, they, they don't stand a chance. No one's no one's gonna hire that shitty kid from the Mick anymore. He's gotta do some, like, really soulful indie movies first before he comes back into the light. So, that's the time where I want to play Where Do I Know Them From. Did you look oh, yeah. up anything that he was in, by chance? Him? No, I don't give a fuck about him. So, the only reason I mentioned, I, I, I'm gonna give it a quick look-see, because I just watched something, but I binged too much media to, like, remember exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was him when he was, like, even littler. And I was like, oh, it's Chip, still being an asshole. Was there anyone else that you looked up that you were like, oh, hey, who is this from? Well, hold on. Okay, okay. Hold on. You don't know- you Okay, so- <laughs> Let's Hold talk. About, let's have a fucking chip who who in the real world is named Thomas Barbuska or something. Whatever how you fucking say that. You know where you know him from, Alex? Where do I know him from? You want to know? Yeah. You know him as Young Job from the 2019 episodes of Arrested Development. No. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it's that's fun. You're right. His career's over. It's fucking done. <laughs> You go from Chip to fucking Job in the ass end of Arrested Development. Womp womp. Man. I feel like maybe that's just our season finale is us recording while we live watch this awful, awful last season. So bad. It's so I haven't watched I haven't watched the last half of it. We'll do it together, but even the fucking previews. It's I just realized I, I knew uh, he was also an American horror story. Like I knew it was something zombie related. It's because he gets fucking attacked by the zombie or the, the vampire virus in American Horror Story Hotel. And he's like leading a, a bunch of kids and killing adults. It's very children of the corn. Anyways, mm. that's where I know him from. So I think my last thing I'd say about the Mick is that it's one of those shows I feel like if it was on Netflix mm-hmm. as a Netflix original, it would have soared. It would have gotten six seasons in a movie. I, I feel like what? it's just very Netflix humor. I feel like you're right. I feel like, and because I binged it, like, I feel like watching it week to week, I would not give a shit about it. But like, I think I already compared it to The Office and the way I ingested it and took it in. I think, like, you're absolutely right. I think it's binge television. It should have been, it, like, network television's 
a fucking crapshoot these days. It's it's gone. I know BB works for for the man. He works for big cable, <laughs> but cable's fucking dead. Satellites for fucking nerds and like Age of the streaming baby. Yeah, if it can't be played on Roku, it's gone. So there were three shows I was watching on the regular as far as weekly releases, because after I got Hulu, I realized that that's a thing I can do again since I didn't have cable for a really long time. You know, you go to college, who fucking has cable in college? But it was The Handmaid's Tale, Harlots, and The Mick. All three of those, like when it came out on a weekly basis, I was like, yep, I know it's coming out on this day. I'm going to sit down and watch the new episode. And it was really nice watching The Mick in that way and not just binging it, because it, it reminded me of when I first watched Arrested Development when I was a little kid. It was first coming out and just having that, that that excitement of watching a half hour show that was going to be silly and it was nostalgic in its own way but i agree too that it is way more bingeable because then i thought that i got canceled after the first season and then suddenly there was a bunch of episodes on hulu so i binged like four or five in a row and i just really like that show and i'm super sad it got canceled i think it's unfair and i I think the show as a whole too is very forward moving and they're good about saying progressive thoughts without it being too ham-fisted they did the dry humor that i'm super into of again since you've seen the whole show i can at least mm-hmm. talk about it oh yeah and when they list ben into the all-girls school yep and they, like they're talking about gender and sexuality and mickey's just like oh yeah you could be you can like whoever you want man like don't sweat it out you're a kid don't worry about it that's good because i think i like this kid too awesome man like she's just so chill with a lot of stuff and i i always appreciate seeing those messages hit tv and i think that's a good way of starting to normalize something that should be normal i think one of my favorite lines is her and Ben are walking through the park. They're playing hooky. And uh, he's he's asking her, like, why she stole a thing. And she's like, oh, because I don't have money. And, you know, he's like, oh, why? And she's like, well, I don't have a job. And he's like, why? And she's like, I'm not, not going to sit here and explain the economy, mostly because I don't think I have a handle on it. And <laughs> I really like that because I think too many shows want to say things. So suddenly all of these rando characters are just self-proclaimed experts in their field. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they say a thing and you can clearly see that it's coming from some writer on the other side of the country who is using characters as a vessel to spout stuff that he would normally put on some shadowy forum. And it's like, it doesn't serve the writing, whereas I think in this show, it definitely felt like real people talking about real things in a genuine way, but also in a positive way. Yeah. Like, it's it's weird to say about this shitty Fox show that got cancelled after two seasons, but I think they've handled it better than I think most shows have because i i think they handled it rather than just ignore it and never deal with it like they handled it and they handled it with care and nuance yeah and i don't think other shows are capable of that like brooklyn 99 that's fair i'll give you that so i normally i'd ask do you want to watch the second episode but we know the okay. answer to that you know what i will say <laughs> i didn't know there was a second season so okay. do i want to watch a second season yes i'm very that was enlightening. I have the IMDb page up, and then you said second season. I'm like, what? And then it's like, oh yeah, it says all over this fucking page. Oh, so okay, how do you think the show ends? How do I think the show ends? I think, uh, hmm, my guess. I think, I think, uh, Cold War goes hot with Russia. I think, like, it turns into a kind of like a post-apocalyptic living after the war kind of thing and mickey is thriving in this environment and the kids are starting to come around too with her as an influence i think uh, i think alba dies early on in in the first couple weeks i'm gonna uh, kick your ass spencer <laughs> i don't i just i don't think she's built for it man like i, I like her as a character i don't see her surviving the way that mickey would 
Oh, that's not what I was talking about. You know it. <laughs> well, then you'll have to watch second season to see if they're Cold War Part 2. Electric Boogaloo comes around. Honestly, honestly, that would be that would be great. I'm excited to hear what you think of the second season. It's uh, what I will say is it wraps up kind of. It doesn't give you like a cliffhanger by any means because again, like you said, it's all episodic, right? You could probably stop watching the show after the third episode and feel content, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's no real plot driving device throughout the season, but I also feel like for a finale, it's pretty okay. Hmm. So I, I'm excited to hear what you think of it. Man. Because I know well, that's probably what you're going to do tomorrow. My Mick season two review will be in our eight hour fucking season finale. <laughs> so you got you wait for that, guys. It's going to be so exciting. Eight hours of us just going back and talking about the same shows. Lord I'm of the excited. Rings and Arrested Lord- Development. And- Are you kidding? I... I- Side note, I had uh, The Office and Arrested Development in the same episode. I'm like, I think we just need to do individual episodes for both of those. I think we got too much to say. Otherwise, it's going to be a five-hour episode. Yeah. So, hey, that's fun. Well, okay, anything else you want to share? Or thoughts? Or opinions? That's. It's so hard to say anything about this show. I like it. It's simple. It's funny. It does a good job at a bunch of things. It got canceled. Well, I think that's totally okay. I, yeah. Not all of our shows. This is also, what, a 28, 23 minute episode? There's just not a lot of content to really discuss. Yeah. I, but I think you covered you covered everything that I had written down. Let's talk about AP Bio. I'm excited to hear why you hate it. God, I hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm surprised I hated it. Uh, So AP Bio came out February of 2018. And it is an SNL creation cast behind it let's see michael patrick o'brien is the creator he's a writer he's all over here the producer's lord michaels who we all know fucking does snl and it just it, it feels it feels like a very long snl skit and maybe that's why i don't like it i i have right. my readout of the plot oh what you go ahead go ahead no i'm just i'm curious do you think that snl isn't relevant and not funny anymore is that what you're trying to tell me <laughs> I'm saying that um, there are some skits that are pretty good, but honestly, if it's not the Christmas episode, why are we watching? I feel like that. Feel like that whole idea should have died in the early '90s. <laughs> feel like. So what you're telling me that you don't think sketch comedy is good in 2019? I think sketch comedy is good. I don't. I don't know what you would call SNL anymore. Looking at the Trump headlines and rolling with it. It feels like oh look, a new issue of the New York Times was the headline. Say no, don't don't finish it. I just let's. We got the <laughs> Trump wig. We gotta. I yeah. I don't know SNL. My parents, when I go visit them, they really like to watch it on occasion. Uh, my dad is pretty conservative and. SNL is pretty liberal these days. I would say that's always been pretty liberal as a yeah. creation project from New York. But you totally. know, they used to like kind of like walk the line a little bit. There's nothing. It is just they, all poking at conservatives now. They they used to be nuanced. Like what I think it is is I think it's pandering to their audience. And I think mm-hmm. they found you know SNL was suffering for a while. And I think they found their goldmine, their thing that gets people back in the door. Because it, it's and you see it with you mean a lot Kate of Kate McKinnon, right? That's the only reason I watch is for Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I think it's um, and it's it's not like you know I I don't care one way or the other. Make fun of whoever, like. But I I think the comedy world, and I think a lot of people have already addressed this. I think with with politics becoming such a circus lately, it's like mm-hmm. it feels like that became the new like lowest bar for for modern comedy. Like, I, I think you see, like, even see Mark Marin, 
play a dude who, who's wicked talented and then he'll just go up and do a show and the whole thing, like the whole goddamn thing is just like, ah ha ha, Russia. It's like, that, that's like three-year-old material at this point. Like, <laughs> like, if you're gonna keep making fun of the guy, make fun of something that happened like this year. Like, I, it's just I feel like we need it's... our Dana Carvey's back. Yes. We need, that... oh god. SNL used to produce the funniest fucking people alive, and now, like... Here's my beef with SNL. Okay. Because uh, I've noticed it as a trend maybe the last five to ten years. They don't memorize their lines anymore. When it's a live stage audience, they don't memorize their lines. They're all looking off cue cards. And, like, it's one thing when it's the guest, because you know it's a guest. But when your main stage, your main cast, isn't even memorizing lines anymore... Yeah, I, I, it's frustrating. And then they have all those digital shorts now, which I mean, I love me some Andy Samberg, but buddy, you fucked us. Because uh, digital short shorts are just, it, it, it isn't for me that it's not the point of SNL. Yeah, I I think the thing that I'm dancing around, and I think like with what you said, I think it's uninspired now. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like, that's not to say that every SNL skit ever has been great, but I don't think we're going to get another cowbell. I think Fair. that's gone. I, I like, I just think it's the nature of what the show has become. Like, we're not going to get classics anymore. We're, we're going to get things that are relevant to what people are mad about this week. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, they, they don't rehearse. They don't, you know, the, the scenes get spat out and then read. And that, that's the whole process. It's, Ooh, no, I, I had it. such strong feelings about SNL. <laughs> I, I don't know. I get it. That, that's, that's the business. Like, if, that, if that's mm-hmm. what's getting you know, people to watch your show and that's what's, like, feeding your families, like, go for it. But, like, I don't know any of the new SNL people. I don't, I don't know them. Like, it used to be, like, old SNL, like, you can name everyone and you know where they <laughs> went and you know what projects they worked on. But now it's, like, you'll see a new shitty movie in theaters and it's, like, oh, who are these people? And then someone tells you that they're all from SNL and you're, like, oh, that's neat. I'm I, glad I they found like, other work. I think, like, Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Bill Hader, Seth Meyers... Like, that, that crew was, like, the last good SNL crew. Yeah, and that, that was, what, early aughts? That was... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, like, right after the old classics. Like, we, we got a couple, but, you know, it... Which yeah. is really sad, because I love that Kenan Thompson is on it. I mm-hmm. remember watching him on all that, and he's one of, the, like, the better ones on there, because he's been doing it since he was a fucking kid. Oh, and yeah. I really like Kate, Kate McKinnon. I'm glad she's still doing the show, despite kind of just doing whatever creative project she wants to hop on. Yeah, but and, yeah. And then, oh, God, there's... Oh, What's her name? I want to say her name. She just got a show, and I'm actually really excited for her, because there's one girl that I like a lot. Is that uh, on Hulu? Um, I don't know. Is it on her Hulu? There is a new Hulu show by an SNL girl. Um, Shrill? No, not, not, she's funny too, but not the, the funny I was thinking of. Okay, that, I only know it because they advertised it as, hey, from SNL, and I was like, oh, cool. So, uh, first off, not the person I was originally thinking of, but... Is it Cicely Strong? I think she is very classic SNL, and when she's in a skit, I think she does a very good job. It feels like watching from something in like the eighties, nineties. I think she's very good and underused, but also used all the fucking time. She should just be in every scene possible. But no, the girl I was thinking of was Melissa Villasenor. She has a deeper voice and is a little nasally, and doesn't have a very typical female voice. And I think she's a fucking hoot i think she's very very funny and also someone who just doesn't get used a whole bunch she's usually like a, a background she's an npc character <laughs> in the <laughs> cast of, of of them but she's apparently getting a show and i'm very excited for her too although maybe strike that because maybe it is the other girl Ooh, 
I was hoping it was her. I think in the spirit of fairness, I, you know, I, I don't watch it on the regular. I never do. Like, the only times I get to see new SNL are the things that, like, make the rounds. And, you know, so I think it's it's easy for me to rag on it. But it's not to say that everything must be uninspired because of what I've seen. And, you know, it's not to nag on anyone's talents. It's just from everything that I have been exposed to. And I think the fact that it doesn't make the rounds anymore... Because there's nothing fucking good. Also, I lied. It is it is shrill that you're thinking or that I was thinking of. I was really hoping Melissa got her own show. She did not. Sorry. Oh. Womp womp. Well, I'm sorry that reality died. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. No, I'm with you though. Uh, the the SNL stuff I end up liking is really. I just I don't know. Surreal fucking humor. I guess is what gets me anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there. The, the, the like last new episode that John Mulaney was on recently and I'd say every episode or every skit that he was in was pretty fucking good but it's also John Mulaney and I'm a huge huge fan yeah. but what was it that there's there's two skits that are modern-ish being the Californians because it's really fucking funny and the, the video that I watch in particular is the one that got cut from TV because they were, they kept fucking up and they kept laughing and I really like skits where they just break character and there's a Christmas episode or a Christmas skit that sometimes makes it a sometimes doesn't and it's two douchebags at a, a nativity scene and it I, again it's shitty people being shitty right the whole concept of this show shitty or this show this episode in particular shitty people being shitty it's just these two really rich snobby douchebags a couple talking on their cell phones during a nativity scene and <sighs> being idiots and someone's like oh yeah did you bring the myrrh the what the myrrh the what and like that goes on for a bit and repeated humor i don't know it's good i highly recommend it maybe i'll post a link but yeah, shitty people being shitty is going to be my awful shitty segue into let's fucking destroy AP Bio. Sure. My body is ready. I have my readout of what the plot is because, again, otherwise I tell this like I'm a grandma. I'll discuss the plot like someone who will never get to the core of it and I just overprepare. So here we go. Once a great Harvard philosophy professor, Jack Griffin, played by Glenn Howerton, or, you know, Dennis from It's Always Sunny, is experiencing a complete spiral. Jack lost his dream job to his rival, Miles Leonard. Actor's name is Tom Bennett, I guess. I don't know who he is. And Jack isn't the sort of guy to let that slide. Without any other options, he returns to his hometown of Toledo, Ohio, to work as a high school advanced placement biology teacher. His plan is to ignore the students completely in favor of tearing down his rival and banging a bunch of women once he's the famous person. Which, you know, solid goal, I guess. Be safe about it. The audience learns all this in one minute of the plot following his entrance of crashing his car into a high school's sign. So, like, high schools have the sign on the fucking lawn, and he just goes for it. He just, like, rams right into it. And then when someone starts yelling at him, he pulls a crowbar out of his car and chases them down. It's fucking terrifying. I was super impressed that they got as much information in a minute and 30 seconds. You got the whole plot in a minute and 30 seconds of this episode. No, like, kind of teasing at it. It was just like, this is what it is. Fucking deal with it. So, for those who don't know, Advanced Placement or AP classes are classes that prepare you to take the hellish test in high school so you don't have to take that same fucking class in college. I took an AP history class. I really liked my history class. I did not have Jack Griffin as my teacher. And it's extra stress to put on kids. And it sure saves you money, I guess. But also you have to pay for the test. Public school is a fucking joke. Jack! Has the Principal Durbin, played by Patton Oswalt, who we all very much love. If I, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about Patton Oswalt. Don't ruin it for me if you have. I won't ruin it for you. Oh no, what, what has he done? I won't ruin it for you. Tell me what has he done? I won't. Oh my god. So, uh, Patton Oswalt is wrapped around Jack's finger uh, through over-the-top manipulation tactics, but otherwise has little control over really anything or anyone. Or Jack has little control over anything or anyone. There's a trio of lady teachers encouraging him to abuse his authority over his students, as teachers do, to do little chores, which he internalizes as 
hey, these students can help me ruin Miles. So this whole plot just becomes, uh, let's catfish Miles. It's easy. It's totally okay to convince a bunch of fuck ap bio do they ever even say what like year it is i'm guessing it must be juniors I still think they're juniors it's weird jack recruits the class to start catfishing miles and proves to be somewhat supportive as they attempt something that they are clearly uncomfortable with seriously they these kids are reading out these sexy messages and they of course pick the nerdiest creepiest looking kids in the class to nervously read this out and the principal comes in in the background listening as i wish i would have written down the quotes but also i'm glad i didn't because yeah no it's just awful Woodsworthy to listen to these kids write these sexy messages, even though you know kids do it to each other, but this is a grown ass adult. But, anyways, there's fucking Jack Griffin like nodding his head and be like, all right, that was a little, that was a little much, a little over the top. Let's go ahead and tone it down. And then someone else like has the most perfect message. And it's just, it's weird while he's being so supportive while refusing to be supportive in this role because he gets mad at them whenever they they start taking notes when he starts to rant and he doesn't want to be a teacher there. He's insisting that he's not going to teach them anything, which we all know means how do we reach these kids? He's going to fucking teach them something. Nope. Probably nothing. Good. Well, okay. We'll I'm going to argue. We'll I'm going to argue it. against that because we even, uh, at least in the pilot episode, we see this Prince of Darkness, quote unquote, character fucking idolize Jack. And learning isn't just like, oh, I'm going to teach you bio now. It's fucking teaching them life lessons, just like in the Mick when it's like, yeah, sometimes there's just shitty life lessons of I steal shit because I'm poor and I don't have a job. That's what you learn today. Is that now? You'll see. No, you <laughs> no won't. I won't because I fucking refuse to watch the rest of the show. I hated it. <laughs> I, that's really it. That's like the end of the show. This fucking goth kid, but not goth kid because the era of trip pants is gone. So it's harder to identify the goth kid in the class besides when he starts going off on, he's that kid who talks like he's a demon or wants to talk to a demon. I don't know. We all knew that kid in class, right? Right? Jump. I'm not, <laughs> not crazy. It was just this oddball guy who gets picked on, which of course he's getting picked on because the psychology behind it. Don't get me started. And so then he's like idolizing Jack Griffin, who apparently is his only male role model. Because why else would he be fucking idolizing Jack Griffin? And Jack Griffin's like, you know what? The best way for, for me to do this, I guess, after talking talking to the three witches around the cauldron is to introduce the bully into the class that he's being picked on by. So that's fun. That's where this fucking episode ends is the bully coming into the class and he's like, this is gonna help or something. Like kind of caring, but also not caring at all. I don't know. I just, (sighs) I have seen this episode twice now. When AP Bio first came out, I was very excited because I really like Glenn Howerton. I like Dennis. Dennis is my homeboy. He's half the reason I watch. Always sunny. And this really felt like Dennis teaches high school. And that just did not catch me for some reason. I I still can't quite put my finger on why I don't like this show. Besides, I was bored. I was bored the first time I watched it. I was bored the second time I watched this first episode. It's a pilot episode. I understand. Like, usually I'm willing to go to the next episode. I just, it doesn't even catch me enough to even try the second or third episode. It feels like someone's like, you remember School of Rock? Let's do a shitty version of it. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, if I want to watch this, I would rather watch the wholesome Jack Black movie than this kind of half-assed. We get it. He's shitty. He's not good at his job. He doesn't want to be there. And that's it. If you see the fucking first episode, that's it. You don't need to see anything else. There's nothing creative about it. <laughs> Keep going. I've I've taken a note. So the only thing I would say, the two things. Uh, okay, I lied. I got three things I liked about it. One, Indy watched it with me. He sat on mm-hmm. my bed. Indy, my good, good boy, my good dog, was very fascinated by AP Bio and sat and watched the TV with me. So it is Indy approved, which means I should like it, but I don't. And I also would say there's a scene where he pops out wearing his mom's robe. I'm guessing the mom's dead? Yes. 
Okay. I think they say that in the pilot. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Clearly listened. But he's wearing a, a very feminine robe. And fun, feminine in the sense that it's soft and white and has roses. And fun fact, dear listeners, I am a hoarder of robes. I love robes. I love bathrobes in particular. Let's specify this down to bathrobes. I, I was looking at that robe and nodding my head. I'm like, nice. Nice, 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 nice. That is a good, cozy looking robe. Robe approved. So good job, costuming team. You got my approval of that robe. And... I guess what I'll say for this instead of like the Mick, I think the still shots of showing the mom's apartment was maybe my favorite part of the whole show because it was a little artsy. You definitely got a vibe of what the house is like and who the mom was like and why he would want to leave that town and that the color theory behind it was super good. Just a lot of orange and whites and this very warm home, but also super cluttered and very religious. It reminded me of like everyone's grandma's house and it was a relatable moment at watching the camera shots go through and be like oh yeah and here's this and here's this and here's this part of the house and i like the cinematography of it more than i'd say the mick isn't necessarily super artsy at times it's just kind of is mm-hmm. and i hated it and i don't want to watch any more of it that's it <laughs> <laughs> so what are your notes so my notes so my thing is i feel like a lot of that i feel like ap bio is everything that the mick presents to the max it is Horrible, disheveled person. I think Dennis is different because, and I think you keyed on something, which is cinematography. The show does something weird, which is subtly trying to show you he is a destructive, monstrous asshole. He is like an actual supervillain, but his whole life has been destroyed. He has gone back to his mom's house because it is what is familiar and his mom is gone and he is just living quietly by himself among everything she left behind. I think he mentions that like he hasn't been back there in a long time, which means he has not been back to see his mother in a long time. And you just have these like shots of him just by himself, just staring off. And like anytime anyone tries to engage with him in any friendly way, he's completely deflective. He's like, he's an animal, but you get this very strong sense in the background over time that like he is dynamic. He's an over the top flavor blasted animal (laughs) but there are human emotions going on within him so if you put this on the spectrum of it is an out there show like in the same way that like if you compare parks and rec to reality it's stupid over the top none of the characters are believable blah 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 assuming that every character is a characterization It's still nice that every character, and this isn't something you get in the pilot, and this isn't even something that they go into in depth, but every character has heart to them. So you said three is the magic number. The magic number in the show is five. There are five kids that get focus. The pilot didn't feel like them figuring out, like they clearly knew. Goth kid in the back, Sarika, you have the the big kid gets a couple episodes. Would it, in the same episodic feel? Everyone's always present, but every episode seems to hone in on a different kid, like a different kid takes the main stage. And it is less like, oh, he's going to learn to teach them. It is more they're suffering him together and they're banding together and forming friendships with one another that they didn't expect. Trying to survive the hurricane that is Mr. Griffin, he is never going to teach them anything. There is a moment at the very, very end that does a really good job of he has not changed and neither have they really, but they kind of see eye to eye in this really, really horrible, awful way that is almost heartwarming until you look at it for what it is. And you're like, 
No, this is terrible. So it's not that he teaches them. I think it's that he corrupts them over time. But most of the learning comes from them banding together and trying to figure stuff out themselves without a role model. And they do all come from super different backgrounds, and you do see that. But they don't present it that way because they are high school kids that grew up in this shitty small town all their lives. So they are all from the same culture, they are the same people. But when you get a look at their lives and like the parents come in for like the big like, what do you call it? Open house? Mm -hmm. And you see all of their parents standing next to them and it's all these like normal kids and then they're flamboyant parents. Like, I wouldn't say the characters develop to a point that's like, oh my god, like how could they pull this? Like everyone, what I will say is I don't think they go through predictable motions and I think that's to the show's credit. They develop in ways that are fitting of the situation that they're in. Like, it's not like they get encouragement and support. It's like this awful thing happens and they learn how to roll with it and that makes them a better person. It's not that they learned anything. It's like trial by fire. They just figured out how to deal with it without help from, like, anyone because they're not going to get it. They're, they're high school kids in a public school. They're not getting any fucking help. They have to figure it out themselves. <laughs> and that's the thing. They are an AP bio class. They are, they are the nerds. They are the nerds and the, the freaks and the geeks. And there aren't friendships between them really at the beginning. So seeing how they develop and who becomes friends with who and for what reasons is like really enjoyable. Um, the three witches never get any better. Patton Oswald and his assistant there are, it's always like cheesy, dumb, physical comedy stuff. It never gets any better. But over time, seeing this miserable, miserable man trying to make everyone else around him miserable and failing at it and just ruining his own life as a result and like digging his hole deeper it goes from like horrible people doing horrible things to understanding that horrible people are horrible for a reason and like i said there's never a moment where he backtracks on any of it there's never a moment where he like real like apologizes to anyone but there is a moment where he's defeated and he gets caught and they don't acknowledge it but there's like it's it's a lot of bonds formed through adversity not like the heartwarming they figured it out they all learned something at the end of the day it's like they are they are surviving what they've been given they're playing with the cards they've been dealt and it feels so when you were describing the pilot i forgot that it starts with him straight up crashing into a sign i feel like the pilot is way more over the top than the rest of the show is it's still telling of the show though so if you didn't like that at all I don't know that it will get better. They dial it back. They turn it from 11 down to like a 7 and it becomes more of a slow boil. But if you didn't like the smell, if you didn't like what was happening there, toning it down probably won't help. So I'll jump it in and... Go for it. I have I have a note in here that they, like what I watch more and I'm like... Ugh. My reasoning behind it was it didn't feel witty enough for me. Like it didn't mm -hmm. feel clever. It just felt like shock humor and oh my god, I can't believe he's doing this. Oh my god, look at this asshole. Can you believe he's doing this? And I'm like, yes, I can believe it because I've watched It's Always Sunny. Like this is nothing. This is Babyland Frolics. It's not, not holding my attention. And that I like purposely wrote like I would sooner watch It's Always Sunny for the millionth time beginning to end before I watch episode two of the show so if, if you're saying that it gets better 
in a way that at least, again, that over the topness of do you get it? We're funny backs off a little bit. That gives me a little bit more hope. And maybe after I watch It's Always Sunny for the millionth time, I'll watch episode yeah. two. Like I said, to its credit, there are three, like normally you get three plots in the show. It's him and the kids, the principal doing a dumb B plot thing and the teachers doing a dumb C plot thing that ties into the B plot. I feel like that whole half of the show needs to be cut out and they need to expand more on the kids. They do. Like the kid, like, yeah. I'd also say I like between wanna... that and, and you explaining Jack, and I, can, I assume that my degree in psychology, I assume that he's an asshole for a reason. Yeah. I assume he's spiraling out of control for a reason. I just thought they didn't do anything that made him very redeemable. And I like that you were explaining like the, the shots and that they they do a pretty good job with the cinematography. However, I don't feel that in the first episode. It feels, I, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for this guy. It sounds, like in my opinion, I'm like, what the fuck did you do to lose to this guy? Like, it, I feel like you just were kind of being an asshole. And when you're an asshole, yes. you don't get good things. And like, I had no sympathy and I felt like I was supposed to have sympathy for him but I don't. And it was just like a really, I felt like the, the pilot was trying to tell me something. And I could also tell that maybe the rest of the show isn't like that, but I, I, wa I wasn't sure what, where it wanted me to feel by the end of it. I don't think he ever becomes sympathetic in the ways that I think they, like, characters traditionally go. Like, there's never a moment where it's like, like, he cries because his mom died, but there are moments where somebody says something and he just kind of stares off into space and just backs down. Even with his bravado and being a dick, like, he can't face that. Like, he doesn't know how to react to it because, like, his defense mechanisms don't work. Like, that hit him. Like I said, the end of the first season, he walks back into the class and he is defeated. He is broken and everything he has tried and everything he has done hasn't worked. And they do a good job of, um... What The Office did with Michael Scott, where in The Office, like, people treat him like some people are fine with him and some people are like, what the fuck are you doing? But mm -hmm. then he goes out into the real world and he's compared to, like, real actual people. And it's like, what are you? And they do a good job of that every time he goes out into public and tries to interact with other people. They are completely normal, decent, average human beings. And he's, like, trying to be this, like, Machiavellian bad guy. And like, what? what? No. No, please stop looking at me. And it's like... Stop trying to make me sympathetic towards Jack Griffin. It's not working. You... That, that's the thing. It's... You, you'll never feel sympathetic because it's like, oh, you know, he's, he's bad for this reason. Oh, Snape was actually the good guy all along. <laughs> they show you that he doesn't get it, but you start to. And the people around him start to. Where he, it's that he can't figure it out. He doesn't actually have a hold on anything that he's doing. And he's starting to come to that realization. And it's very, season two takes a different direction, which I thought I was going to like. Spoilers. First two episodes of AP Bio, season two. Didn't like the first one. Second one. Eh, I'll probably watch the third one. I don't imagine I'll watch the fourth one. That's where I'm at right now. Okay. They switch gears and they switch gears in a way that I feel like the season one finale could have been it. Uh -oh. I feel like they ended on a note where their like, course has changed. We're going to do this now. And then season two is them doing that. But I feel like maybe you didn't have to show it. But I really liked the end. It was sort of different and it felt like meeting in the middle. Like, 
it's it's not like they're all putting on the concert and they you know they do the encore it's different it's like i said they finally like look at each other and see each other eye to eye for the first time and there's like a moment and that's all you get you get the one moment that but that one moment changes everything and it's I don't want to say it's worth the ride, but I would say it's good payoff for what you go through in that first season. So here's a sub. You talked about like how they could have just ended at season one, right? Yep. I feel like we live in a time now where we have to have a bunch of seasons of a show. And whether that's that's fan insistence or network insistence, I feel like there's a lost art to miniseries. Mm-hmm. And hearing that, you know, again, this this might have been something that was really good as a miniseries, or even fucking a, maybe it would have just been better as a movie. Mm-hmm. Two and a half hours, you could have probably smashed in mo- most of it and been fine. And don't get me wrong, I'm sooner to watch fucking sixteen hours of a half hour episode before I go watch a two and a half hour movie anymore, because I guess that's the world I live in now. But I think of like Tenth Kingdom and how that's a super long miniseries, but it still like was only four or five episodes. And I think as a whole, we could probably as a culture or society just con Marie our shit in, in our media and be like, we don't need 16 seasons of Supernatural. We don't need to continue doing this thing. Well, let's, let's just tone it down. Let's enjoy the smallness of it. Let's enjoy something and its little encompassingness. Well, I think we have delved into our shows and plenty others. Because why would we just stick to two when we watch so much shit, Spencer? <laughs> I really like this format of here's the cull. Let's do a 38 minute episode about these two shows that we watched one episode of. And then it's like... <laughs> The last hour. <laughs> it's like when you put too much batter in the in the muffin tray and you don't realize it and it just fucking like <laughs> suddenly you don't have you don't have a muffin, you have like this disgusting loaf. Uh I, I like our loaf though. I love it. I like that we are showing each other new shows that we both like and don't like. It's letting us grow as people. It is allowing us to have some exchange of dialogue and you know it's what? Just rag on Joss Whedon and <laughs> So I think uh, this is where I am going to say to our lovely audience, if you disagree with us, let us know your thoughts, because you can tell us we're wrong, even though we know we're right. Bye, I guess. Goodbye. Goodbye.